Good morning. Thank you for joining today's podcast. My name is Dana from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services. And today the podcast is going to be about financial aid for college. Um, That's basically what we do. Uh, But I thought I'd give uh, some tips on how to start the financial aid process uh, for many students. This is something that um, is ongoing while you are in school and uh, also something you need to uh, take control of on your own so that your debt does not get out of control and uh, you end up on a commercial or end up in a situation where you can't afford uh, a home loan or you can't afford a car loan because you're upside down to your debt to income ratio. And uh, so that's what we're gonna go over today. So feel free to call in uh, with any questions you may have, but let's try to keep it on topic with regards to uh, financial aid. So to start, uh, currently we are working on the 2019-2020 award year. Award year started on July 1st, 2019, and it will run until June 30th of this year. The new award year will begin on July 1st, 2020, and that will represent the 2020-2021 award year. And that's just how the department sets it up. Um, The FAFSA for the 2020-2021 award year was uh, available, made available to complete as of October 1st. So the beginning of the fiscal year for the government is when the FAFSA is available to process. And that was due to President Obama making that, um, his administration, I should say, making that available for everybody to start completing it October 1st. When you're completing the FAFSA, if you're completing the 2019-2020, you're gonna be using 2017 tax information. So if you worked in 2017, and or filed taxes in 2017 in the United States, you are required to um, complete the FAFSA with that income on there. There are um, institutions that will provide students with the option, if something has drastically changed with your income from 2017 to today, There are ways that um, once the information has been entered, it can be adjusted to the current uh, situation that you are in. So if you have an income reduction, meaning you lost your job um, and your income is substantially less than what it was in 2017, talk to your financial aid administrator to um, see whether or not a professional judgment can be processed on your behalf. It is up to the institution to decide whether or not they perform PJs. And if they're going to perform them, they have to perform them across the board for anybody that's eligible. If the institution decides not to perform them, then the um, school will not permit it and you won't be able to get that income reduction. Uh, The income reduction uh, works for those uh, individuals that um, 
let's say not only lost their job, but also uh, may have been that they had a different change in their marital status, whereas maybe they were married um, and now they are no longer married. Um, another change could be is if um, you have a situation where um, someone has passed away and it was you filed a joint tax return in 2017, then the ICER can be adjusted. So meaning when you complete the FAFSA, you're gonna complete it with all your information on there from the joint tax return. However, once the ICER is received, the student would be able to um, have their information only accounted for from the joint tax return or the parent. Um, with regards to um, other substantial um, changes in your income or in the number of family members, again, talk to your financial aid administrator in order to be able to um, determine where you best fit. Um, I have an individual online uh, asking about talking about international students. Um, with regards to international students, if you, if the only way you're eligible for financial aid in the United States um, is you have to either be a U.S. citizen or an eligible non-citizen. So those are your first two criteria. If you're an eligible non-citizen, then you can fill out the FAFSA and you could potentially be eligible uh, for financial aid. Um, when you're dealing with um, foreign income, it all depends on if your country uh, requires you to complete and uh, file a tax return. If your country does not, then the income that you earned in your home country would have to be converted into the equivalent of what would have been made in the U.S. So meaning your conversion, we'd have to use the conversion rate from your currency to U.S. currency and then that would be added to the FAFSA application as other untaxed income. Uh, there are those situations where we have um, individuals who are here and maybe they are married, um, but the student who is here in the United States is here and able to reside. And then the uh, what would happen is, is that if your spouse and the rest of the family members are residing in your home country, then you would be able to um, file uh, as married. You'd have to still fill out your application as married. Um, and then depending on if you were working in the United States um, in 2017, you would have been required to file a tax return uh, depending on your income. And then um, you would still count your wife and spouse and your family members. Um, with regards to the question that just came in, how much is the take for one file? I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. So if you could clarify that, that would be great. Um, and no, I am not an attorney. I am a retired paralegal. Um, and so I, I cannot um, specifically give you uh, legal advice. That's something you would have to contact um, an attorney here in the US. And I'm sure there are tons of them that would be able to um, help you in the area that you are currently located. Uh, when you're filling out the 20, 
the 2020-2021 FAFSA, uh, the 2018 uh, income tax and income earned from work would be required. Um, also, if you received any child support, which is considered untaxed income, if you paid child support in 2018, uh, that would be uh, something that you would also um, be required to account for. Now, here's the caveat with child support paid. I can tell you for a fact, because I've been processing files now for close to 13 and a half years, that if you paid child support for a child, you get a better estimated family contribution. So meaning when you fill out your application and you um, put all that information in, what happens is, is it turns into this mathematical calculation to determine whether or not you're going to be Pell Grant eligible or subloan eligible. It is better for you to account for the children that you paid uh, child support for as family members than it is to account for the child support that you paid. You can't do both. The department says, no, you can't do both. You have to do one or the other. So if you paid child support in 2017 and you're filling out the 2019-2020 FAFSA, you are going to want to count for those children as family members. Even if for some, if you're not the primary residence of where they're living, that doesn't matter, okay? What does matter is, is if you're supporting those children more than 50% and if you're paying child support, the more likely you are, then you count for them as a family member. If they are not um, residing with you, um, again, you would still account for them as a family member. And if you're selected for compliance, it says it right on the verification form that you are permitted to account for those children. And again, it's because you're supporting them more than 50%. While we were on the subject of regarding taking care of children or supporting them more than 50%, um, a lot of the applications that uh, are processed, um, there are for different school types and then certain school types that I process files for currently at my regular job, um, we have a lot of uh, technical schools and trade schools. So cosmetology is a big one. Um, massage therapy, uh, so medical assisting, those type of um, schools uh, that are being processed right now may have applicants that are uh, single parents who may be the only reason why they are considered what they call independent status. So if you're under the age of 24, you are considered dependent on your parents still based on the way the application is set up. If you can answer yes to one of the, if you can answer yes to one of the questions, the independent questions in section three, which is whether or not you are a uh, veteran, or if you're in the armed services, or if you um, were a guard, um, in guardianship, legal guardianship, uh, meaning foster care, if you were in um, or if you had a legal guardian, court order legal guardian appointed to you to take care of you. 
Um, if you're taking care of a child, though, if you had a child, you're under the age of 24 and you're living at home with your folks, there is a real fine line as to whether or not you're going to be able to be ran as an independent student. You need to make sure that you are able to show that you're able to support yourself and your child above what your parents are providing in room and board. And if you cannot show that, then your parents' information is going to need to go on the application, okay? So just keep that in mind. Again, talk to your financial aid administrator uh, at your school of choice, and uh, they should know all the ins and outs. If they don't, there are many helplines that they can contact um, within the department to talk to somebody directly to be able to help you out. But more than likely, they, they, they're going to know how to run the file based on the circumstances that are in your particular situation. Um, another question came in, are you a retired attorney? Um, I am not a retired attorney. I am a retired paralegal. That means that I worked, um, not a legal secretary, but I was a paralegal who did research and also filed motions and so forth for an attorney. So I was basically a senior assistant, if you will. Um, so, uh, that that's what a paralegal is. And um, it's been quite a while since I was a paralegal. Um, and now I'm just schooled in the um, legalities and the rules and regulations of financial aid. Uh, with regards to um, the application, um, once you put a school code on your application that will direct your application directly goes to the school. So if you have not contacted them um, to let them know that you're interested, they will be, once they receive your application, they will be contacting you um, to set up an appointment. Um, so uh, eligibility this year, 2019, 2020, depending on where your um, EFC falls, if you have a zero EFC, um, you are eligible for $6,195 in a Pell Grant. That is free money. It's entitlement money, and you do not have to pay that money back. Uh, for loans, you are eligible for $3,500 in a what they call a subsidized loan and if you are a dependent student you are eligible to receive two thousand dollars in an unsub loan the difference between a subsidized and unsubsidized loan is basically how the interest is uh, accrued so they both accrue interest but the subsidized loan is deferred uh, the interest is deferred until graduation uh, the unsubsidized loan um, is not deferred. However, you can choose to defer it. But rule of thumb is, is that you should not defer it. You should start paying the interest. And typically, interest on a um, $2,000 loan, um, your, your payments is going to be minimal. So uh, again, it's, it's suggested that you don't defer all of the interest because if you do that, you're just going to be accruing interest until you graduate. So every loan that you take out will be accruing interest until the end. And that's what you're finding or hearing um, nowadays with regards to student debt load um, with 
with people not paying those uh, loans right off the bat. So it is suggested that you do on the unsub. Um, I, I believe the last time I saw someone with a payment slip, it was uh, $20, but I can't say it was a $2,000 loan. And um, it could have been that there was there were, there were multiple loans under the social security number. So, um, but on average, 20 boxes, I mean, nowadays that, that's a pittance. Um, so $20 and plus it would help your uh, credit score. Um, because you're going to want to start building credit as well. So that's a suggestion for you. Uh, with regards to um, some of the schools have federal work study um, options for you, um, it is highly encouraged that you do um, look into federal work study that will help you build your resume, um, as well as get the experience that you need in the field that you're going into. Um, it also will give you um, some, uh, not only skills, but also it'll give you a chance to make the decision if what you've actually picked is uh, your cup of tea. I know that when I was um, enrolling in college, I uh, was working at a bank at the time. And uh, so I figured accounting, that's going to be a good thing for me. So I went into um, the school, applied got my financial aid and I ended up, you know, taking the accounting courses. The problem was is that during the day, what I was doing um, was basically opposite of what I was doing at night at school. So when it came time for me to do the spreadsheets, I was uh, just, I thought I was doing fine until I turned the spreadsheets in and then found out that I had everything in reverse. So. That's how I ended up um, changing my uh, course study um, and program over to paralegal. And um, then eventually I became a paralegal. But having said that, um, I know it back when I went to school and it was a business school, the loans I ended up taking out, I ended up, it took me almost 10 years to pay them back. Um, and I can tell you, um, from a perspective of my um, legal days as a bankruptcy paralegal, um, loans, if you file bankruptcy, if you if you have to file bankruptcy, um, the loans that are on your credit report for um, student loans have to be listed on the bankruptcy petition, uh, but they do not get discharged. That's government money. That's, government money is being provided to you for these loans and expecting to be repaid. And that government money is accumulated through taxpayer dollars. So your student loans do not get discharged um, in a bankruptcy. Those remain and you'd have to start paying them back. So um, again, you just want to keep an eye on when you're shopping for schools too. They have sh uh, school shop sheets now. Um, that can tell you exactly how much you're going to be owing um, at the time of graduation minus, you know, um, all the expenses and so forth. So um, that would be um, something, again, you want to keep in mind when you're looking into a school. The other thing you want to make sure of, too, when you're going and shopping for a school um, is that you want to keep in mind is if what you're going to school for down the road, is that going to be a viable job in the future? Um, right now, the trade industries 
are uh, desperately looking for people um, because people just, they're not um, willing to, the interest is not there is what I should say, but um, the pay is great um, and you're learning a skill. So you might want to be looking at, if you like working with your hands um, or uh, other skills that you may have, you may want to look into um, going to school and getting a certificate for that and then actually applying. Um, and who knows, you, you may find that you really like it or take that skill and become your own uh, business owner. Um, I'm just uh, reading a question right now um, with regards to, um, so I have an international student on the line that's interested in coming to the United States to work. And, and the first steps, again, that you would need to take in order to go to school in the United States is you have to um, fall under the criteria of an eligible non-citizen. So you would need to contact um Go online and um, look up under um, U.S. Um, citizenship, and they will. There's a whole list of things will come up with regards to how you can um, gain citizenship in the United States. An eligible non-citizen is uh, one of those uh, criteria in order to be eligible to um, apply for financial aid in the United States and um, also attend school. The other thing you're going to also want to make sure you have in hand is um, in, you also have to confirm that you have completed um, high school equivalency in order to um, be able to go into post-secondary school, which if you already have a bachelor's degree from your country, then that wouldn't be an issue, but you would have to show that information to the school upon um, your admissions meeting. Um, and also another good website for those of you that are um, thinking about um, going to school, and I'll just uh, post it out there, is it's um, IFAP. So it's I is in Isaac, F is in Frank, A is in Apple, P is in Paul, dot ed dot gov and then it's ifap at the end as well and um i will just double check that for you while i'm looking at it yeah that's where it is so you can go to this website that'll give you some information and also if you're interested there's an uh, another website that they're putting out um, they were just putting the finishing touches on at the end of the year, the Department of Education was for the United States. So USDE is what I should say. And uh, let me check that one and make sure it's all ready to go for everybody. And yes, it is. So that other uh, website is right here. Here's the link to that. And this will give you a good starting point for um, for those of you that are interested in um, seeing 
um, what is available out there. And it's it's all encompassing too. So you'll be able to um, navigate and uh, make your decisions accordingly. Um, other than that information uh, today, the rest, the rest of the process, um, your financial aid advisors, again, once you um, have expressed interest, put their uh, school code in. To get the school code that you're looking for, um, that's part of the FAFSA application. And they've got an area where you can type in the name of the school and the code that you need will, will come right up. Um, also, you could go to the website, too, um, of the school that you are interested in um, applying to, and they should have that available too, right on their on their website. Um, it's probably located in the financial aid section. So um, just make sure that you um, look that up and um, put the right school code on there so that um, that school will be able to get your application. Um, for those of you um, that have situations where, because um, this is happening a lot in the United States, where the student may be a U.S. citizen, but the parents are not U.S. citizens. Um, if the parents are here and they've been issued tax ID numbers um, to file taxes and they have social security numbers issued for work purposes only, make sure that when they are filling out the application with you that um, they put all zeros in for their social security numbers. Um, in order to put all zeros in, um, that denotes the fact that they are um, basically just for, that's, this is just the terminology, illegal. That's just the terminology that is used, but they're in um, the country and what they'll do is put it all as zeros and then the student will be eligible for the increased unsub amount automatically um, instead of having the parent have to apply for a plus loan and see whether or not they get denied. Um, another criteria in the United States is, is again, to apply for a loan, you have to be a um, U.S. citizen um, or eligible non-citizen. So with the um, code for uh, for work purposes only written on the social security cards, that means you're limited to that status. And if you want to upgrade your status, you'll need, add, need to go to immigration and uh, work on the process of getting that upgraded. As far as... Um, contacting me directly um yes you can contact me and i'll i'll provide my email address it's d anderson at, or actually so it's d anderson at DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services.com. Um, as far as if you if you need assistance with uh, legal assistance, I should say in the United States, the best is to um, if you are international, 
um, go through um, U.S. immigration and they can link you up um, with an attorney um, if that if that's your choosing. But I do believe that a lot of uh, the paperwork um, to become a U.S. citizen is pretty self self uh, explanatory when it comes to completing it. Um, but again, that that's your best resource is going to immigration. Um, so if we don't have any other questions today with regards to financial aid, um, I think what we'll do is, is we'll end our podcast here. Uh, feel free though to submit comments, questions, uh, be more than happy to, um, answer them for you. And next week when we have our podcast, uh, we will be going over, um, the compliance end of it. Uh, what is required if your file is selected uh, for the compliance um, breakdown, if you will, and before you can get awarded. And um, there are a couple of ins and outs with regards to that, that if you are prepared during your appointment, it will make things a lot more smoother. Um, if not, your money will be held up for a substantial amount of time, and um, that could create a little bit of... Uh, angst, if you will, uh, while you're trying to go to school and uh, complete everything. So um, my name is Dana. Thank you for attending today's podcast, and I hope everybody has a great day.